Welcome to Remotely Possible, a podcast about the people shaping the future of work. My name's Adam Riggs, and I'm the CEO of Frameable, a software company that's improving distributed work for Microsoft Teams and Outlook users. We're always looking for leaders, technology innovators, and software partners who might be a good fit as a guest on the podcast. If you have a story to share about creating and maintaining a highly collaborative environment for either hybrid or fully remote teams, we'll share details at the end of each episode of this podcast so you'll know how to get in touch with us. And now, let's dive into our conversation about how real people are making the future of work more successful. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Remotely Possible podcast, where we talk to the people who are bringing the future of work to today. Today, our guest is Rebecca Liu. She's a vice president of global strategy and innovation at American Express. Welcome, Becca. Thank you so much. Really happy to be here, and thanks for having me. Of course. So please take a moment now to just introduce yourself to us and to our listeners and tell us a bit about your background. Sure. Um, so like you said, I currently run travel strategy and innovation for the consumer part of American Express's uh, car business. Um, you know, simply put, if you travel with your premium car product like Platinum or your Centurion card and you do anything within the travel space across our benefits with Clear, with Uber um, and what have you, we are the team that help bring that to life to our customers. I've been at American Express for 10 years now, so this is my 10-year anniversary. Uh, And before that, I started my career in sales and trading um, across uh, a plethora of bulge bracket banks. Um, So I've been in the workforce for about 15 years um, and really happy to be at Amex for the last 10. Awesome. Yes, it's a fantastic company. Um, Tell us a bit about your your prior role at American Express as well, maybe just a minute. Sure. Um, So I started uh, at American Express uh, in the summer of 2013 doing a strategic sales job, um, selling a you know, cross-border product that allow international payments uh, from one company to another cross-border. And that sales job was really interesting um, and multifaceted. And I did that for a couple of years. And here at Amex, we really encourage folks to explore different roles within the company to fortify and expand their career. Um, so, you know, every two years or so, I've had a different job. Um, so from that sales job, I then moved into product development with Within that broader team of B2B payments. Um, I've then pivoted to a really interesting job managing and overseeing our joint venture with our global business travel arm. We had a, a business that we spun out um, and I oversaw the, the spin out um, for a few years. And that's what brought me within uh, the travel space. Um, so after having done B2B payments, B2B travel, I now essentially do consumer travel and payments together. Um, So it's definitely been a journey. um, And I've touched a lot of different working environments and teams um, during this transition within Amex. It's just fascinating the 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 diversity of things that that company is is uh, not only are they doing, but they're good at. Sure. Of course, we we like to say that we're a diversified financial services firm. We are a bank um, as far as the regulators are concerned. We are, of course, a card company and we are also a network and an issuer together. Um, so, yeah, many different hats uh, to wear. Amazing. Amazing. So 
Tell me about your your current team. You know, how big is your team? Um, how often do you interact in person with your your key or closest colleagues? Uh, what percentage of the time would you estimate in a week? You know, you're face to face with someone that you're collaborating with versus on a audio or video call. Just try to paint oh. the picture of of your collaboration with your key colleagues uh, these days. This is a very timely and germane question, um, just given the the ever shifting dynamic working world that we're in, and honestly, very top of mind uh, topically for our work at hand. So you're catching me in an interesting transition transitional phase. Since COVID, um, we've had a back to office return to work. Um, program that's been very cadenced in nature. So as of now, we are um, VP plus uh, leaders within the company uh, return to office three times a week. So for the majority of the week, three times versus, you know, three days versus two, we are in person um, collaborating across a multitude of teams. Uh, every day looks a little bit different. And we are headquartered here in New York City. And we are about, um, I think, 7,000 people in the building. Uh, mm-hmm. And we are 70,000 people globally. So mm-hmm. it's a really big company. And as far as our team is concerned, um, I sit on a team of about 150 people um, across, for the most part, New York City, Phoenix, Arizona, and the UK. Mm-hmm. And we are a global team serving a global constituency across 22 different offices across the world. But as far as the core working teams are concerned, we essentially span those three areas. Mm-hmm. And your earlier question about what the sort of collaboration component of our work is like, um, you know, it comes in many different shape and sizes and through different formats, but primarily we try to have an in-office culture where a lot of meetings happen in conference rooms where, you know, it's a nice environment. Um, we recently just renovated the physical space of our building um, and there's a lot of in-person, but because of that global nature of our work and because so many colleagues are now uh, virtually working, virtually partnering, uh, especially since the post-pandemic world, we absolutely need to have every physical meeting be outfitted with the ability to reach out and to connect and to speak to our virtual colleagues, to our colleagues mm-hmm. in other offices. So every mm-hmm. meeting I would say is um, happens in this dual channel where even if it's an in-person meeting for majority of the colleagues, we will still make sure that the the virtual presence is felt. We make sure that they're um, it's not just audio only, that there's a visual component yeah. to their con- contribution. Um, and I will say that, you know, there's been a lot of conversations had about the best way to juggle um, both an in-person experience as well as a globally connected virtual working experience. And, you know, we're still uh, figuring that out every day, but I think the company has put a lot of emphasis on making sure that we do it in a way to make everybody feel included. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I had a, a follow-up question on your answer about basically a three-two, you know, in-person, uh, remote sure. uh, schedule. Um, is that a coordinated three-two across the different uh, locations, the the core locations of Arizona and the UK? Like, in other words, do the do the people who work in Arizona, New York, and the UK try to make their 
in office stays the same, or is that something that's up to the uh, up to the geography to decide, uh, or up to the team leader to decide? There's definitely some flexibility, and it's designed to say, look, we believe in the hybrid model. We actually call mm-hmm. it hybrid, um, but we want to ultimately not make it so didactic and um, top down, you know, rigid that people feel like they're, uh, you know, children who don't have like mm-hmm. control working lives, right? So mm-hmm. we wanted to make sure that while the three-day mandate is largely conformed to and, and received well, that the flexibility mm-hmm. of how you approach those three days is up mm-hmm. to you. So here in New York, um, there's a general understanding we call our HQ the tower because we, mm-hmm. you know, um, work out of a, a pretty large and tall building. Uh, it's down in, uh, down in Battery Park, in the Battery Park exactly. area. Exactly, right? yeah. down in Battery yeah. Park, um, 200 yeah. Vesey, an iconic address that's been through a lot yeah. over the years. Um, what we like to say is that if you're in the tower, uh, you should have flexibility on figuring out in conjunction with your teams and the teams you mm-hmm. work frequently with on which of the three days um, really matter for you. Mm-hmm. And as it generally um, kind of converges, a lot of people want to have their Mondays and want to have their Fridays yep. in terms yep. of flexibility. So it starts yep. to converge being Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And you certainly mm-hmm. see that in terms of congestion and crowdedness um, midweek versus at the end of any week. So yeah. uh, my, my official answer to you is that there is flexibility on determining mm-hmm. which of the three um, and people generally choose the same. So it, it nets out being pretty collaborative and in-person. But the goal here is also to say that not everyone's gonna make the same choice. And right. uh, it, it helps to always have meetings where there's a few folks come dialing in, there's a few folks in the room um, and it really supports our colleagues who are virtual or working, you know, it's an American company that has a global presence. And we want to make sure that our UK colleagues that are, you know, APAC colleagues, LATAM colleagues feel like they're not always beaming into HQ and feeling others. Yeah. Yeah. There are folks that, you know, work out of New York that happen to be beaming in yep. from their vacation or not vacation from their work from anywhere, which yep. is the policy yep. we have. And to make sure that everyone feels um, well represented and there's a sense of equality and a mix um, in every meeting. Totally makes sense. Um, please describe for the listeners your digital tool stack. Uh, what are the tools that you use to communicate with people who you're not physically with? And then second part to that question would be, um, what are some challenges that you wrestle with now that are a direct result of the way those tools work and don't work? Okay. Um, I'm happy to go through the major beats, right? So we, we use uh, Microsoft Office Suite for um, email. So Outlook is a primary mm-hmm way of, you know, conversing over email and that gets used, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just frequently, constantly, daily. Uh, mm-hmm. As far as our um, sort of conference hosting um, mm-hmm. agent, we use Citrix WebEx, mm-hmm. um, largely due to our, you know, corporate commercial relationships and also the fact mm-hmm. that it is really secure. Um, and so we have a utmost standard when it comes to security and rigor and it was chosen um, for that reason. And as far as just, in, you know, across to make walls kind of disappear, right? Conversing across time zones and offices, we use Slack 
for our mm-hmm. asynchronous um, messaging service. Um, and, mm-hmm. and we've been through iterations of that. I think in the past, in my 10 years here, we've used um, Link, we've used other forms of Messenger, uh, but mm-hmm. Slack Enterprise has been the proven provider over the last few years. So email, Slack, and WebEx are the three major facets and components of like that build our communication tripod. Got it. Just a, a clarification. So if you if you were having a one-on-one discussion with a colleague in the UK, you would use WebEx for the video component of that? Yes. And okay. we will Got primarily it. use WebEx because it's integrated within our um, Outlook tool, right? So you could plan mm-hmm. a meeting and just say add a WebEx and it kind of yep. integrated into the meeting invite that provides a certain level of um, ease of use. Um, but sometimes, you know, it's good that you brought up if it's a one-on-one conversation and you're kind of in the heat of the moment, slacking with each other, talking through a problem, and you just want to see each other face-to-face to say something out loud. We mm-hmm. often also utilize the sort of message face-to-face chat feature within Slack. Yeah. Where you can, um, do video calls within the channel. And that's uh, yeah. a pretty popular use case as well. Got it. Got it. Uh, okay. So second part of the question uh, was like, what are some of the ways that working with these tools um, is is challenging or what are some of the ways that, that these tools really help you maintain your relationship with the colleagues that you're not physically with? Like how does the way the tools work today affect your productivity and your creativity? Is there any, uh, anything that comes to mind there? Sure. I'll give a positive and an opportunity, right? So a positive is that there's such unity and consistency and uniformity in adoption that everyone naturally, it's almost like muscle memory and second nature in a company as big as this, where if you Mm -hmm. know everyone is utilizing the same tools, you just, you don't even have to say like, oh, where am I going to find you? You just know where to go. So Mm -hmm. that is Plus, um, and an area of opportunity is that, like it is with any of these enterprise tools, as soon as you go outside the walls of your own company, um, you don't know what other people are using. And most, a lot of them use Zoom, a lot of them use Microsoft Teams, and sort of the mismatch of what systematic tools other people use can sometimes um, uh, create little hiccups, uh, yeah. in the beginning of meetings, um, what have you, oh, this thing is not downloading for me. I have to use a web browser version. Yeah. It's not letting me in. So we experience that somewhat, especially in for those of us in roles that are um, extremely partner facing, extremely mm-hmm, external mm-hmm. facing. Um, but in general, I really have felt um, more benefit and ease of use than anything else. Um, I mm-hmm. will say that in terms of collaboration, um, there's a wide adoption of Google tools in terms of co-working, right? Google Forms, um, Excel, just all the web-based, web-hosted working tools. You know, in previous mm-hmm. past, people used Dropbox. Like, there's all kinds of other co-working mm-hmm. tools that exist. But because Amex's adherence to security is so heightened, given the nature of our work, given that it's a bank mm-hmm. holding company, um, we use things like SharePoint. We use things that are not as widely adopted by the masses, Mm -hmm. especially smaller partners, smaller companies who really do rely on Google. And Mm -hmm. Google, um, you know, you you would have to get exceptions from the enterprise to be able to access Mm -hmm. 
certain tools like Google. Um, mm -hmm. For example, I used to work uh, in a marketing capacity in years past where we would have to test adoption of marketing campaigns. So mm -hmm. I got an exception to use Google Mail, to use my Gmail, um, because I would need to receive messages, what have you. But that is uh, definitely the exception and not the rule. Got it. Uh, one very specific question is, you know, so if you are sitting at your desk, either either in the tower headquarters or at, at home, and you need to check on someone's availability, mm. what would you what would you actually do? Would you check their status as reflected in Slack or would you go to Outlook and load their calendar or some other thing? Which would no. you do first? Yeah. Great question. I think the natural behavior, what I do, I think is representative of the masses, which is that we go to Outlook calendar um, immediately. You look at mm -hmm. the calendar. Um, generally speaking, people have week long views, right? Because we kind mm -hmm. of go week by week and mm -hmm. we go to see people's calendars. Um, mm -hmm. Depending on your access and depending on your ability to see other, you know, like if you're a, a, an executive assistant, you can see across most of the leaders you support and exactly what those meetings are. Others of us just know that when someone is open versus not available, um, mm. but generally check other people's schedules that way. I know certain companies have the, the policy of you not only show your availability and your meetings, but you tell people exactly what those meetings are. You make the content of your meetings public. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. And I think here it's not so much a policy, it's more of mm -hmm. a, uh, a standard practice that it's a binary where availability right. and lack of availability is shown, but not necessarily the contents of the meetings. Got it. That makes sense. Yeah. I, I, I've spoken to a lot of people who describe a sort of a differentiated approach to that, where the further you are, you know, to, to, to simplify the answer would be their answer would be like the further away you are from a person in the org chart, the less of an expectation that you would know mm -hmm. that you'd be able to see, you know, who they're with and what they're working on. But certain certain times, like on certain teams, you know, with very close colleagues or very small or very small teams, there might be uh, more of an expectation that like you would you would share that or or something. And that could be useful. That's right. That's exactly right. And I'll just give you an example that um, for a specific second segment of my team, we like to show each other um, our vacation schedules. We like to say mm -hmm. I'm off here and I not only block it off on my own calendar, but I send it as an invite to uh, mm -hmm. my team so that they know that to not have to check on my calendar yeah. to see when my vacations are, but in their own view, they'll see, hi, Becca's on vacation this week. And sometimes mm. we'll even say like, here's exactly where I am. I'm international. So yeah. just email me or text me, or I'm local in the East coast time zone. Give me a call. Mm -hmm. um, so we like to be pretty personable and, and open when it comes to the folks that you talk to every day. Um, mm -hmm. There is a behavior across our bigger team where um, for the leadership team, so this is like VP plus, um, we all kind of know about each other's schedules and you keep each mm -hmm. other abreast. And then the expectation is that you then let your own team know where you are as well. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love that hack. That's That sounds like a really cool idea at a larger company where it's not so easy to transmit it. You could, you could really just create your own calendar uh, and send it to them, your own calendar event. So that has all the details that are appropriate for the people that you want to send it to. I think that's a really good idea. Exactly. Really good idea. 
Okay, so um, we have a few minutes left here. I wanted to give you the last word. Uh, please reflect on what you see as the, the big advantages of hybrid work and the way people are working now, the way you and your team are working now, as opposed to, you know, 2019. So we're not so interested in reflecting on the, the the COVID period because that was a difficult period and it had unique, you know, unique constraints and unique challenges. But if you think about, you know, from 2019 and, and earlier uh, versus 2023 and going forward, what do you really see as the opportunity uh, to embrace hybrid work and the reasons why um, companies are right to embrace hybrid work? The reason why I think it's here to stay is that it truly is a mirror um, upon which how people actually want to work and live. And I think it is a, a almost a catch-up mechanism so that, you know, sort of broader scaled workplaces are finally catching up to, in many ways, how working professionals, um, you know, across generations, right, the workforce is very multi-generational, um, are uh, embracing the way they want to have their balance. And, you know, American Express has long been a company where we really care about work-life balance. And the the nature of hybrid work is very simple, is that it enables and allows for and celebrates that work-life balance. And the example I'll give is that, you know, um, if my workday starts at nine, but I don't have to commute for, you know, the 45 minutes to an hour, mm -hmm. depending on mm -hmm. where people live, you know, New York is very dense. People are come in from like two, three hours away. That those few hours before sitting at your desk are used for like dropping off your kid personally, um, are used for like running into the store to grab something, to like do a yep. morning load of laundry that previously yep. were not able to even be thought of. And this way, I think it actually makes folks more committed, focused on work. A lot of folks say that they actually work more productively when they have a little bit of um, uh, spots within their work week to fit in life so that yep. they could focus on work when it truly matters. Um, yep. I think the benefit of hybrid also is that when you are in person, um, it makes for a, a, an even more richer, like, you know, it's human nature, like, oh, we're finally together. Great. Yeah. And you use that time together more efficiently and more positively. And it still allows for uh, an in-person environment to create and, and build and strengthen culture. Um, and I think it's also important for uh, the, the sort of new entrance into the workforce, right? Amex recruits really aggressively and systematically um, for new hire classes every year, straight out of college. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. And I think it's really important for the next generation of workers to understand work in this hybrid capacity. So I think it's also good for retention for hiring. So, you know, in terms of uh, to answer your question and summarizing it, I think it's both about working better when you do have time together, allowing for a really more enriched right off the bat work-life balance and allows for a better, more sustainable, uh, you know, attractive model for hiring and retention. I totally agree. Uh, and uh, two other things that people uh, do with that time is cook and Yay. exercise, right? <laughs> um, totally. I, I will take you up on the first one. Um, <laughs> huge. Uh, we have a Peloton that's collecting dust, but yes, definitely on the cooking front. So it also enables yeah. a lot of personal health benefits. Um, that's totally yeah. true. 
the uh, uh, it's uh, it sounds like you you know them viscerally, but I'll just share that the latest uh, research on what people how much time people save and what they do with the time it really lines up with your answer. Uh, the average amount of time across the whole United States that people save. Uh, when they don't have to commute on a on a non-commute day is like 65 minutes or so. And right. the research shows that they spend half of that time, roughly half of that time, working more, and the other half on the whole range of activities that you just described. Yeah. Uh, child child related, health related, cooking related, errands, household, you know, everything. So this is really a win-win, right? The 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 employer gets uh, a more relaxed, healthier, happier employee, and they mm -hmm. also get part of the benefit of that commute time savings is that people are able to, you know, do a little more, uh, and, and and they're happy to do it, right? So there are calls now at like five, five thirty, even six o'clock, which we try not to do, but if you need to, um, we have them, and if on we try to have them on days where it's a virtual day for most people, mm. so that way, yeah. You know, you're not thinking about, oh, no, I can't take a five o'clock call. I have to run to the train in order to get home right. by seven. And now right. that a little bit of spillover time is available. So I totally hear what you're saying. And there's real examples highlighting that every day. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much for joining us today. Rebecca Liu, she's a vice president of global strategy and innovation at American Express. This has just been a great conversation. It's really helpful for people to hear, uh, you know, from practitioners and other leaders at other companies to hear their balance and how they see it. So thank you very much for joining us. No problem, Adam. It was a great conversation. Thanks for having me. Have a great day. Thank you. Bye, everyone. I'm your host, Adam Riggs, and I'd like to thank you for listening to Remotely Possible, the podcast about distributed work and the people who make it possible. Remotely Possible is sponsored by Frameable, a software company with a mission of making virtual collaboration feel as easy as turning around and talking to each other. Learn more at frameable.com. To become a guest on an upcoming edition of Remotely Possible, head over to frameable.com slash podcast and introduce yourself. If you know someone who'd be a great guest, tag them on social media and let them know about the show and include the hashtag remotely possible. If you enjoyed this conversation, please share it on your social networks and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Your likes, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and to our team. Want to know how Frameable Spaces helps Microsoft Teams and Outlook users collaborate more effectively? Visit our website, frameable.com, or follow us on social media. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.